August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. The final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome on to the weekend preview on the final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit, Miss Kate Tracy. Hello. Yeah, back again for, I think it's fourth time in a row now. <laughs> Listeners are probably getting sick of me, but good to be back again and looking forward to the end of Goodwood. Never, never would people be getting sick of you. Uh, although the streak does come to an end on Monday for those who are betting on it. When Jess Stafford comes in <laughs> alongside Nick Luck as we look back on all of this madness. Uh, we're also joined by, at the Races Pundit, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello. And we are talking about Friday and Saturday of glorious Goodwood. Uh, plenty of racing to get stuck into. As we're recording, the draw for the Stewart's Cup is only taking place now. So that'll be fun. Uh, but let's begin. We'll start with the St. Clair Oak Tree Stakes, the Group 3 for Phillies and Mares, 145 on the Friday, and One Masters, a short price favorite, 2.8 currently on the Betfair Exchange. You can just about get 3.0, uh, which is an industry best price. Oh, wait, I've just been reminded of something. There was something I was meant to say. I hate when I forget. Oh, yeah. It was something about the last show. How many Group 1 races in Mohawk Theatre 1? None. <laughs> what a lovely man you are. <laughs> the day that we start taking ourselves too seriously and we don't own it when we have to eat humble pie is the day there's no point in doing this anymore. There's absolutely no point in doing it anymore if that's the case. And what I what I hate is the fact that Rory got so much abuse for being wrong about that and not enough praise for putting up a 14 to 1 forecast in the Goodwood Cup. Take a bow, son. Take a bow. Well done. Also, in fairness, people are, people are pretty decent on the whole. Um, and I got a lot of a lot of uh, messages after the um, after the the Goodwood Cup. I should also point out that you had a twenty five to one winner in the Irish Daily Star during the week. Yeah, we didn't get we didn't get a chance to touch on the handicap, but of course I, you'll know that from the from the the previous weekend, I I was um, very keen on on Just Hubert for a two man handicap that mm-hmm. almost the Marsh Cup at Newbury and didn't really didn't really get the run of things. There. I don't think. Holly Doyle quite got to the bottom of him, and I, I decided um, to, to give him another go. And again, a few people who, rem- who um, remember that sent me messages saying, I hope you kept the faith, because I did. I've got a nice 25 to 1 winner. So um, uh, obviously, that Irish Daily Star is not online. It's just, you know, uh, you got to have it in your hand. By a physical paper. Um, but that was um, that took the sting out of um, out of not getting the result of Circus Maximus. Just a bit of a pain. I didn't, um, I didn't go nap on him. Uh, it would have been very helpful for the uh, for the future, but such is life. So, well, you, you can um, never yeah, complain. You can never complain about a twenty-five to one winner, and Tom uh, Marquand is going to be on the favourite in the one forty-five at Goodwood on Friday. Just one final question. Nice segue. Nice segue. Just <laughs> one one final question before we move on, Rory. How did that humble pie taste after the Sussex Stakes? It was it was uh, very much uh, in keeping with humble pie. Vile. But you know, I never turned down a meal. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the Claude Duval way of doing things. Well, it didn't work out, my boy, but I still got the lobster afterwards. Uh, right, One Master is a short price favorite. Breathtaking Look is second favorite at uh, 6.0 currently. And then you're looking at the likes of Agent Court for David Amara with Ryan Moore on board, Kate Tracy. But what's your take on the race? Yeah, I mean, well, it's been well documented on the podcast that One Master is one of my absolute favorite horses in training. And she obviously has her perfect seven furlongs here. The only issue I have is that the ground's going to come up a bit good for her, I think. Um, mm. uh, she does her best work. I mean, her favorite conditions are seven furlongs at Longchamp on softer ground. And she's got the seven furlongs. She hasn't got the Longchamp and she hasn't got the softer conditions here. But yeah, so that's going to be kind of the biggest hindrance, I think, for me in backing her at the short price for all, be it I would absolutely love her to win. But she has just slightly underwhelmed me from those two starts this season. When I thought on her reappearance, she had all factors in her favour in the Diamond Jubilee over the Ascot Six Furlongs, which would bring out her stamina. But the ground just dried up too much for her that day at the end of the week, which was frustrating. Then she had her ground in the Falmouth because the rain came and her favourite jockey on top again also in Pierre-Charles Bordeaux, who she doesn't have this time around, but she has a pretty good stand-in in Tom Marquand at least. She wasn't beaten far last time out, ran another solid race in a Group 1. So I can't crib her too much, but... Every time she runs, I think and I hope she's going to win. So naturally, I feel a bit disappointed when she doesn't. Uh, but of course, uh, I, I'd love it so much if she did win this because she deserves it for just being likeable and consistent. But the fact I really fancied her at Ascot and the ground just throughout the week, it was just drying and drying. And I knew, because I think I actually said she was my best bet of um, of the day, actually, when we were doing the preview podcast. And But by that, but I did put on the caveat provided it doesn't dry up too much and it did so unfortunately I just I think the ground's going to be a bit good for her there so for that reason I'm going elsewhere just for a bit of a uh, value one who I did like further down was Valeria Messalina and she beat so wonderful last time out in the group three at Cork and did it nicely too over the seven furlong trip Prior to that, she wasn't disgraced in the Irish Thousand Guineas. But aside from that run, her other three starts have been very good, including last year finishing second by a neck behind Rosa Kildare in the Group 3 oh-so-sharp stakes at Newmarket. So we know she can travel and run well and comes here in good form. She's unexposed. We'll really have to step up to be beating these proven group fillies and mares. But she has the right connections with Jesse Harrington and Frankie riding her. So... Uh, I think that she's a, a good bit of each way value sort of minimum there to try and take on one master. The fact that she doesn't have the uh, bit of giving conditions look, well, looking likely. I think Frankie Dettori is delighted to be getting on board another Jessica Harrington filly because they've been flying so far this season and particularly his Royal Ascot win on Alpine Star. Uh, that being said, it might be his old employers who could take advantage because the ground is a concern for me as well at one master and Altaquia, uh, I haven't got a clue. Uh, Charlie Appleby, William Buick is probably where my money will go. Uh, Rory DeLarge. Uh, there's a horse in this race that I really like. Um, not specifically for this contest, but I think these are these are fine conditions for her, um, and that is breathtaking. Look, um, very much respect one master's chance. Um, worth pointing out in terms of um, her her form and soft ground at, at Longchamp that the ground is not always as soft at Longchamp as they um, as they tell you it is. You can uh, never rely like, on the on French a regular basis. Yeah, her first her first win in the um, uh, in the foray uh, came on ground that, that wouldn't have been any worse than good. Um, she does handle soft ground very well. She's on an absolute cracker. 
um, in the British Champion Sprint um, last year at Ascot on soft ground when the race was run to Sutra, they went very hard. She didn't get the best of runs through, but you know they, they were stopping at the end. That's the ideal scenario for over, over six. Um, over a mile, she needs to be able to put it to bed with uh, one turn of foot. We've seen a couple of times where she's looked the winner um, in both the, the Queen Anne and the Falmouth last season, where she's been run down late. Um, and it's, yeah, she's just a really unfortunate mare in that um, she's she's truly a seven foot on specialist. She does all her racing in, in Group One company, and I don't want to suggest for a second that she's um, uh, that she's not a solid favourite here. She's she's got a, um, a beneficial low draw. Um, she is um, dropping in class, but doesn't have um, a penalty to carry because um, her run. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Her win came late last season, but the conditions of this race mean that she doesn't she doesn't have to carry that um, that Group One penalty. Um, it's, uh, that's definitely got to be in her favour, and she is she is very solid. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the ground unless it came up really quick, and she's run well in quick ground before. It's just that you know most of her winning form has been in good or, or slightly softer ground. I'm marginally concerned about the draw. Um, having said that she's got a, a favourable draw, you do, in big fields at Google, over seven furlongs on a mile, you do, um, you want to be drawn lowish. Um, but as I keep saying on here, if you want to be drawn low, it doesn't necessarily mean you want to be drawn lowest of all. And still one rarely has the best strike rate, even where a track uh, favours that, because everyone wants to try to get across there. And if you're in stall one, you tend to be pocketed unless you're unless you're away and gone early on. There's always a chance horses are coming on top of you. You end up being on the rail. You're going the shortest way around, but you've got horses in front of you. Have a look. He was actually drawn two yesterday, but have a look at Kamiko's run. Yeah. Uh, once um, Oshin Murphy went forward on him and then had to settle behind the leader um, in the Sussex Stakes, he was a hostage to fortune. And I know Oshin came out and held his hands up and said it was my fault he got beat. But basically, if you're stuck on the rail, you need something to move in front of you. Uh, or you've got to be burrowing your way away from the rail from a long way out, and of course with um, with Vatican City dropping back remarkably quickly, that was um, that was unfortunate for for others in his wake. So being drawn to stall one is not the, is not necessarily the ideal draw here unless you're out and out front runner, which she is not. So she needs luck in running from there. Um, strictly, I, I don't like the stats if you're interested in this. Um, races over seven front of Goodwood in the last eleven years um, with double figure fields. Uh, I've 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 cut out heavy ground because heavy ground tends to mess up you know mess up uh, up the, the the way a race pans out. But anything um, aside from that, um, and the strike rate for horses drawn in stall one is eight uh, percent, which is not terrible, but it's not great. Whereas in stall two, or at least you've got you've got something inside you, you're able at least to move onto the shoulder or something, get a little bit of room. Fourteen point seven percent strike rate. Stalls five and six have a better strike rate as well, and then that falls away as you get higher and higher. Um, so one is theoretically good, but it's, it tends not to be as good as, as two. It's not even as good as six um, historically. You, you can't um, take these stats as absolute gospel because it's only looking at winners rather than percentage of rivals beaten. Um, but it's, it's still useful to have a look at. Um, so that's that's a little bit off-putting from one master. Not hugely, but you know she's going to be two to one or shorter in this race, and you've got to bear things like that in mind uh, with short-priced favourites. Uh, breathtaking look is drawn wider than ideal in nine, um, but she's got a lot of early pace, um, and she used too much of that early pace um, when finishing second at York last time out in the summer stakes. That was a tremendous performance from her because 
Um, she went off with classy fillies as well. She, she uh, helped um, force the pace. Um, and she did that with a, a, a mare of uh, a filly of Mark Prescott's called Miss Celestial. And Miss Celestial had beaten Bilston Brooks six lengths um, in a, uh, a listed race at Chelmsford on a previous start. Um, she finished last in the end. Um, and you also had uh, one or two others who showed early pace and finished well out of it. Maiden India is a, a filly, a mare I love a lot. Um, she was also up with that pace and could only finish eighth in the end. So the fact that Breathtaking Luke finished second when the winner was came from nowhere, she was, she was last after two furlongs, Queen Jojo, and won at 25 to 1, which shows you that the pace collapsed to some degree. Um, Sunday Star, who was third, was right at the back of the field in the early stages as well. Um, and the only the only horse who was right up there throughout, who finished in the frame, was breathtaking. I thought she's better than the bare result. Six furlongs might be her ideal trip, which was a, uh, she won the Scepter Stakes at Doncaster last year over seven. Um, so her draw's not really an issue. She's going to go forward from nine. She will be disputing the lead or leading outright. Um, I think maybe they want to ride her a little bit more conservatively um, over this trip, um, given that she's effective at six. But again, you go back to her reappearance. She was disappointing um, in the Diamond Jubilee, but that was a tough ask for her. But prior to that, she was second to Oxted at Newmarket. That form looked pretty good at the time uh, in the Aberdeen Stakes. It looks terrific now. Um, they pulled almost four lengths clear of the rest of the field of the likes of Emiratiana, Mr. Lupton Brando in behind him, the previous year's winners, uh, winner keystroke as well in their wake. Um, and your first impression was, well, maybe maybe one or two of these have underperformed. What we know since is that Oxted is a proper group one horse. Um, and she wasn't even getting weight from him. Um, she had a penalty to carry there, so she had the same weight as Oxted. That's really good form. And as I said, she's won a, um, a black type race at seven furlongs last season at Doncaster. Um, she blatantly failed to stay a mile on her next start. Uh, and she's run two crackers this season. So I think she's guaranteed to run her race. Jim Crowley um, is back on board again. He he rode the, um, the mare when she won at Doncaster last season. Um, and we saw how well he writes Goodwood yesterday. So I'm more than happy to have her on my side at around, I don't know, six to one there, Matt. Yeah, you can get 6.5 currently on the Bet for Exchange. Um, yeah, she'd... Um, uh, she'll do it for me. As I said, the seven, seven furlongs is, is the upper limit, but it's going to be fast ground and a, you know, a sharpish traffic good. So speed at the trip is more important than, than stamina. Um, and, you know, she probably gets a nice um, tool from Invitational as well, um, rather than having to lead as such. Um, but yeah, I, I like her an awful lot. I think she's underrated. Stuart Williams didn't start the season particularly well, but his horses are beginning to run better now. Uh, I did fancy one of his in the opening day and she ran very disappointingly. Um, that's I'm available. That's, slight, that's slightly concerning. But if you look at Stewart's record overall, Tone the Barone was a good winner for him at the weekend. Um, a biggish price and his horses are beginning to fire now. And she's run well enough now in, in two or three starts this season not to be concerned about her form. He's had four runners in the last four days who have not hit the frame, but he has had two winners in the last two weeks, so we, we won't panic too much about that. Uh, breathtaking look for Rory and Valerina Messalina for Kate Tracy. On a side note, the Godolphin pair are represented here. Side Ben and Charlie Appleby. Anybody care to guess how many runners Charlie Appleby has had this season? Is it more than nine? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. <laughs> He's had 148 runners. I would say he's had an awful lot less, hasn't he? Ha, yeah. How many has yeah. Saeed had? Um, 35? Funnily enough, no. He's had 96. All right. But of those 96, <laughs> only 13 have won 
For a grand so total... Nine again, but I thought that probably wasn't right. For a grand total of... That nine <laughs> is just running around in your head. For a grand total of 134,000 in prize money. Charlie Appleby, 790,000 in prize money. <laughs> things have, in, things have <laughs> turned. Uh, Saeed's got it, he's got it hard enough now without you twisting the screw. Oh, he'll probably come out publicly now and say that he, he can't do his job with me having a go. Um, poor old James Doyle, still not allowed to ride a sideband store horse. I don't think he's going to be losing much sleep over given that record, though. Uh, the 245 at Goodwood is the Golden Mile. Or to give it its full title, to be fair, the Unibet Golden Mile. Prompting his favourite. I have a feeling we'll be coming back to that horse a little bit later on. Uh, William Haggis has got Monbetha. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Montatham. Sir Busker for William Knight and Oshin Murphy. Cliffs of Capri, 10.0 currently on the Bedford Exchange. Vale of Kent for Mark Johnston, 10.0. Bless him for David Simcock is 13.0. And Blown by Wind for Mark Johnston, who has about 17 runners in this race, uh, 13.0. So prompting and Mohatham, 5.0, 6.5, with Sir Busker, 7.0 currently on the Bedford Exchange. Rory, who wins the Golden Mile? Uh, well, I'm delighted to see... Uh, there's nothing terribly exciting here in terms of price, unfortunately, um, but I'm delighted to see that um, prompting has sneaked in at the uh, the bottom of the field here. Well, I say sneaked in. Um, I guess everything they wanted to get in has got in, hasn't they, with, with a... With just 15 runners, must be the smallest field ever um, I've ever seen in this race. Um, but yeah, I I made um, probably from a family I like an awful lot. He's, he's from the same family as one master, um, so he's um, he's he's clearly uh, very well bred. But he was a bit of a a bit of a cheap throwout. Um, uh, the the breeders tend to race the, the fillies, and this son of a bit of breath um, did his running for Ollie Murphy until early this season. Um, he then won impressively on his debut for um, uh, for David Amara at Ayr, and he turned up again at York at the weekend, um, ostensibly looking for a penalty to get into this race, and he won very easily um, over seven furlongs. He's got every chance in the form that he showed at, at York at the weekend um, with that uh, three-pound penalty, and three-pound penalty is very, very fair. In, in most times, if he was running in an ordinary handicap, he'd have a six-pound penalty to carry, but because this is an early closing, not meant to be an early closing race, you have a different um, penalty structure. So he only gets three pounds. He's up to a mark of 89. Um, but he absolutely, possibly bolted up of 86 last time out. And he's got what for me is the ideal draw. He's on a stall too. Um, now, when, I'm, when I see a, a race where there should be a bias towards the low numbers, I tend to be slightly wary of one. They tend to be overbacked. Um, and it's difficult to, to make profit back in those blind. What's the draw on a stall too in this kind of scenario tend to do a, a fair bit um, better hasn't been specifically true in this contest. Um, but um, I wouldn't be hugely concerned about um, about his draw. It's, it's where he wants to be. He's going to race um, in mid-division, so he, he's going to need a little bit of luck in the straight. Um, but I'd rather he was... I'd rather he was under Harry Bentley looking for a run towards the inside uh, with a little bit of room to manoeuvre than hung wide into the straight. It is possible to win from a wide draw here. Um uh, I don't have the, the draws of of, um, of recent winners. Beat Le Bon won it last year. From three. Uh, who runs it again? Sorry. Yeah, Beat Le Bon was installed three and Seniority was installed three in 2018 when they both won. Yeah, so again, you know, Stall two doesn't, have a, doesn't specifically have a particularly good record, but you're right beside that. And as I said, I'm, I'm always a little bit wary of being right on the inside real. But, you know, recent results um, suggest that that's, it's it's beneficial to be there. It also shows Vila Kent was second from 17 last year and Escobar was 
uh, was drawn wide as well. You know, you just you need a little bit of luck in running, but it's easier to make your own luck with a with a reasonably low draw. So I'm happy with where he is. I think he's ahead. I know he's ahead of the handicapper. I mean, he's he's bound to go up more than three pounds for that win at York. He won by two and a quarter lengths without really needing to be asked everything. Danny Tudhope, who rode him, um, would have known that this this race was the plan anyway. Um, and he's um, he's not got to the bottom of him there. He was really well backed. He was three to one um, overnight for that contest and was backed into seven to four. Uh, and although he's meeting better horses here, he's beaten horses rated 80, 78 and 71. He's up in class here, which is always something you have to bear in mind. Um, but for me, he looked like he, he belonged in this kind of class. And he's a really solid favourite. Um, I, I much prefer to dig out 20 to one shots, but he's, he's one I've, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've been hoping he gets into this race and he does. You could have backed him at a fair price at the weekend. Um, he was, maybe, I think he was 13.0 at the weekend on the Betfair Exchange. He was, yeah. And I looked, I, I looked at him because I was putting him up um, in the Irish field for last weekend's race. And again, the only reason that he wouldn't have been in here is, you know, if he didn't want, he had to win this race at York. But he also needed to make the cut. But as, as I said on a regular basis on this podcast, if you're concerned your horse is going to miss the cut for a race, don't be back him anyway. You, you know, will get a refund. Happen there is you get your refund, and you always get bigger odds because for whatever reason, <laughs> well, we know that certain bookmakers don't seem to understand their own rules, so they they automatically price horses up bigger than they should be if they're unlikely to make the cut, even though that's not something to bear in mind. Uh, it, it's no longer an issue, and I won't, I won't labour that point. But um, you know, if you're looking at backing something anti post uh, in a big handicap, and it's going to be at the bottom of the weights take advantage of that mistake that bookmakers make all the time um, and back them. Um, Punish them. Go wrong. Punish, Punish them! Indeed. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, we're, we're, we're getting just reasonable odds now. What's the, uh, what's the, the current price about him? 5.5 currently on the Bedford Exchange, but Franklin D was one of the best backed horse, horses in the history of this it's race. Fa- it's it's extremely rare that a horse with his... Um, pre-race rating would get into a race like this. Mm. The whole issue with high-end um, handicaps, whether they were six furlongs or a mile, is that you've really got to be rated about 100 to guarantee you're going to get in. And there are very few horses who've managed to get themselves a rating of around 100 who aren't exposed, You know, who, who the handicapper hasn't had the chance to get a handle on. You've maybe got horses who, you know, who are potentially classic horses or horses who, you know, who have pretensions to go on and run at group one level. Um, who are able, as they're coming through, to take in a handicap. Most trainers don't want to do that if they think they've got group horses. Uh, and the other the other type of horse you get is the improving handicapper who's been kept under the radar. Most of those horses don't get in these races because to keep them under the radar, you've got to have them racing off, off lower marks. And here's Prompting, who's you know officially rated 86. And normally that wouldn't get you in a race like this. He's definitely well handicapped with that. And because... People seem to be less keen to run their horses in big handicaps. Largely, I suppose, because you know this is this race used to be worth twenty years ago. It was worth six figures to the winner. Now it's worth thirty-one thousand one hundred twenty-five pounds. Um, so I can see why why a lot of um, owners or trainers don't want to run their horses. Well, I, in, I can tell you that last last year, Beat Lebon's Connections took home ninety-three thousand. Um, this year, the winner will get thirty-one thousand. So that's yeah, quite so, a cut. So that, that explains to a degree why why we've got this smaller field, but it also um, opens up this scenario where Prompting is able to get in a race as competitive as this, where normally he wouldn't. And I think he is capable of punishing them. 
but I know he's capable of punishing them. And I think that even though he's 92 in a, in, in a big field handicap, I think that's probably value. I, I'd have him. I'd have no bigger than threes. When Rory you know, is strong, when Rory is strong on one and a big field handicap, you need to be paying attention. Uh, Kate Manatham is probably going to be the big danger. Yeah, I would say so. Anyway, I do really like this horse. Thought that win last time out. I mean, Dark Vision's a horse I really do like in general. Anyway, Ugh. and evidently he's, he's. Do you not like him? Rory knows. There's been a running joke on the podcast <laughs> about Mark Johnston being able to sell him. I'm dreaming. I'm still dreaming of his win. Good one. Oh my God. I've never seen a juvenile do what he did. And then he sells him for a million quid. That's when the uh, groundskeeper Willie got his training license. Grease me up, woman. Grease me up. Maybe off to chase Bart around the playground next. <laughs> Um, yeah but that Dark Vision to be fair to Dark Vision he actually is in form this season and uh, Mm. he ran a monstrous race at Royal Ascot uh, to win and then ran a monstrous race again against Manatham uh, last time out when Manatham got the better of him so I can see certainly why he would be there but look we're all in on prompting so let's just skip it shall we move on Uh, the 315 at Goodwood (laughs) this will be a short one King George Qatar Stakes Batash History shall be made. 1.33, currently in the Bedford Exchange. Liberty Beach, 7.5. Eh, whatever price you want in the rest. Uh, Kate Tracy, does he win? Yes. <laughs> Rory DeLarge, does he win? Probably. His fourth in a row, so in the King George Stakes. We can all salivate over the history that's made. No, seriously, Batash is a very, very talented horse, and it was pleasing to see him win at Royal Ascot last time out. He should just take this in a doddle. Things will get interesting when he's back at York. That's when things will get interesting mm. because he'll make the market he, and you can back him. He is, of course, carrying a penalty in this race, which, he, which you know, he's managed to avoid in previous years by, by blowing his lines at Royal Ascot. True. Um, so, mm. you, know, you, might, you might want to, to bear that in mind. Do you, um, if there was a horse then who could capitalize on that, Rory, who would it be? Well, Liberty Beach is the obvious one. Okay. Um, you know, she's, she gets plenty of weight. Um, but in, in saying that, um, I don't massively fancy her to beat him. It's one of those, if he if he runs below form, he can be beaten. He wasn't ridden to best effect in this race last year. He was ridden to, to look after himself for later in the season. You know, he's the kind of horse who, this is the ideal scenario for him. Uh, Goodwood suits him really well. But what he wants is just like a furlong to get himself organised and then point and go for the next three and then coast home for the final furlong. Um, and uh, Jim Pryor kept a hold of him last season, didn't really ask him for that mid-race effort. Uh, and he ended up not being enormously impressive, but getting the job done. Uh, interestingly, Ornate ran really well on this race last year. He blazed the trail um, and finished third in the end. And he's, he ran the other day and was only sixth. He didn't. Um, he ran better than, than his finishing position suggests. Um, it's only beaten five Suggested he was he was a big price. He wasn't beaten that far. But it also for a horse who's meant to go fast and then not really last home. Uh, he ended up just getting a bit shuffled um, out of things and then running on again. If you watch him the last 100 yards, he actually, he's going on quite nicely close home. Um, he again has, you know, the, suit, the track suits him really well. He's drawn one. Um, I'm not suggesting that's necessarily a massive, a massive um, plus, but it allows him to race on his own, which is the way Ornette wants to run. He wants a solo. Um, so he will be, he'll be able to race up the centre of the track from stall one. If I was going to play a forecast, I it would be Batash to beat Ornate. Um, but you'd be getting roughly the same price as you got about the forecast in the in the Gooba Cup the other day, and I wouldn't have nearly such a strong opinion about it. Okay. Um, the Gooba Cup, you know, was a race where you could see exactly what the script was going to be, uh, and you could see that one horse was going to be heavily, heavily backed 
um, creating value. I don't really see this here, but I'd probably have a throwaway uh, but has to be on it, a forecast, just because um, on it was going to be a massive price and he does have his, his ideal setup. Really, a couple more of these should pick him up late in the day as well. Um, but um, I would imagine you'll get a run for your money. You'll get a bit of excitement from this bet. 90s, currently on the Betfair Exchange about Ornate, who gets Oshin Murphy on board. But Patash should be in the winner's enclosure with Jim Crowley blowing kisses to the crowd and drinking champagne. <laughs> uh, except, of course, there's no crowd, so it'll have to be Zoom until the Saturday. So blowing kisses to the Zoom crowd at home. Uh, Goodwood. The Queen's Plate Glorious Stakes, Group 3 at 3.45. Uh, Communique is favoured at 2.87. Desert Encounter, 4.0. Pablo Escobar, 4.33. And then you've got Thundering Blue at 17.0. He's been a great uh, great servant for his connections. Uh, Kate Tracy. To be honest with you, this race has been a bit of a nightmare for me to get my head around, really. Just, of course, these at the head of the market all have very intertwining form lines with Communique, Desert Encounter and Alunac, which seems to switch every time they face each other. It just makes it a bit of a contest really yep. for me with not really that much value for any of them. So I guess Desert Encounter to start with him, he's usually, he's overlooked in the market in these races, so tends to lend himself as a value bet, but that evidently isn't the case back here for him. He is a Group 1 winner, though, albeit in the International Woodbine, where he's won it for the past two seasons. Won this last year, too, so we know all conditions will be in his favour here. He won the race on good firm ground, so the going shouldn't be any issue for him either. He was a decent third behind Communique in the Group 2 Princess of Wales' last time out with the Lunac back in fifth. He's usually slowly away, but when we saw um, the winner and the second home came where they came from in the one mile four handicap yesterday, it definitely paid not to be on the front end of the pace, which eventually collapsed pretty tamely despite not going overly quick early on. So again, if he runs a similar race to last year, tactically, he can easily win this again. So I do like him. Communique has returned to form on his last two starts after two fairly lacklustre efforts to begin the season for him in the Buckhound Stakes and then in the Hardwick. But his second in the Princess of Wales is behind uh, Dane Malio, Malio, Maliot, uh, which was much better after trying to make all and just being headed inside the final furlong. And he managed to back it up on his most recent start in the Group 3 Silver Cup, being ridden with more restraint that time. Drop back to 12, looks a positive. He's also a winner on his only start at Goodwood. So, again, he has ideal conditions. He looks for likely pace angle of the race with Pablo Escobar. Uh, but communicate to use that stamina of his and, uh, you know, post a typical Johnston horse performance, really. But on how the racing was panning out earlier in the week, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the place to be in this race. And just to touch on Pablo Escobar, because he was the other pace angle here, which uh, might cause issues for him and for Communique, as if they both get the fractions wrong here, it'll be the end of both of their chances. He's Pablo Escobar, he's running at Goodwood. Uh, he's run at Goodwood, sorry, twice, finishing second and winning in 2018. Uh, he is getting there into, into becoming a group performer, but he has probably been unlucky to bump into a fair few very good horses. So he hasn't had the wins he probably deserved in total, placed in a couple of listed races on his last two starts. So he comes here in good form, but he's still not fully proven himself to me to be beating some of these. So, And then obviously uh, Alunak, who I was mentioning earlier, has got the uh, tied in form as well. So kind of 
not really that strong opinion on this because they just seem to switch it around with each other the whole way. But I guess if I'd have to go one, I'm going to take on the favourite, mainly because of the pace angle of how I think it's going to pan out. So Desert Encounter, I guess for me. <laughs> I agree with you. And I predict that Rory Delargue agrees with you in that he's going to be dead against Communique. Rory. Yeah, I just hope communicates um, very well back here because he appears to have lots in his favour. Um, he's um, he's pretty happy on on uh, fast ground. He's a he's a winner um, on his only a previous start at the track, um, and you know he's got the beating of um, Desert Encounter on the run last time out. Um, I'm just not convinced that communicates quite the same horse this season as he was last, and he didn't really. I, I thought he had. To, I thought the race panned out really well for him at Newmarket last time out. I think um, that's less the case um, with Desert Encounter. Um, the, um, the leaders are pressed on a little bit too much um, with about three furlongs to run there, which which um, which helped uh, Dim Mayo. But she was very she was very strong. Communique had you know he was given the perfect um, sort of stalking right there. We're used to seeing him uh, dominate, um, but he got the perfect trip through there. And I, I thought he. Was a, he's a little weak in the finish. Obviously, he's dropping. Um, uh, he's dropping back in trip here, which will suit him. But I just wasn't absolutely convinced by him, um, and I haven't been convinced by him this season, despite the fact that his, his form looks okay on paper. So I'm just. Uh, I could see a number of results there. I could see Alunag winning, and I see Pablo Escobar improving to win. Um, you know, it'd be dangerous to let Spirit of Atman um, get her own way in front. Desert Desert Encounter is on the best form here. Um, you know, I was t- I was talking the idea of just putting him up as a straight win bet. Um, because you know he's again he's got a decent record at, at Goodwood. Um, he's he's normally very reliable. Um, he was he won this race last year, didn't he? Um, and this is his time of the year, sort of from from um, from uh, end of July onwards. But he's an eight-year-old now, and again, I'm just wondering whether he's maybe just not quite the force of old as well. I fancy him turning the tables um, from last time anyway. But maybe the way to play this is just to lay communicate short in the wind market. Um, you know, he's been, a, he's been a grand servant over the years. Um, and this is not a case of me thinking he's the worst horse in the race. I think, you know, on paper, he's the best horse in the race. According to the official ratings, he is as well. Um, and I'm just hoping it was off a pretty short price as a result. And he should be. And again, with his, his style of running, I think you'd be able to get a short enough price to buy him in play as well in running. Uh, I wouldn't want to be going much over two to one. Um, I don't, I don't, like laying horses at big prices. If he's two to one or shorter, uh, then I'd look to take him on for modest six. I find this a meh race. Yeah. I, I'll be completely <laughs> it, it honest about it. It will certainly throw up a really exciting finish. It probably will, yeah, but the little, problem is that... It's paper where you just, you can't, you don't have an incredibly strong view about it and if you end up yeah, moving along. I wouldn't be shocked if anything won this race. I really wouldn't be. Yeah. And for that reason, yeah. I doubt that I will actually be parting with any money in it. But Desert Encounter, maybe? <laughs> maybe? <Tentatively> confident. <laughs> yeah, maybe? If you want to have a bet, uh, on you go. The 20 past four at Goodwood, very, very briefly and succinctly, Rory Delargy, you love these juvenile races. You can't wait to talk wow. about them. But you actually do want to talk about the uh, <laughs> the, the nursery. Go ahead, my man. Yeah, I expect Julie Johnson's going to be favourite um, for this race for, for Mark Johnson. 
Um, she carries a penalty for winning on her, you know, there'll be very few nurseries this season. She won on, on nursery debut at York by three and a half lengths. And that suggests that she's, you know, the best part of a stone ahead of her initial mark. She's got a six-pound penalty here. Not mad on backing Phillies turned out reasonably quickly, but when you when your penalty leaves you well in, a trainer's hands are forced to run their horses, um, pretty much. So um, she, you know, she's the blindingly obvious chances on paper. But I want to be against her here, um, particularly because I think that um, uh, Marcus Dragoning, who was the hero of of, um, of Wednesday. Um, has a, a very good chance here with Perotto. Although she's only had a couple of runs. Um, Dragoning horses aren't wound up for the juvenile debuts. Um, it's, it's rare to see them um, really flourish at two at all until the, the autumn. Um, but Perotto improved a fair bit, uh, to me, on his debut when, when winning um, uh, a maiden over course and distance last time out. Um, that was a funny little race. Uh, he was slowly away. They didn't go particularly uh, strong through the contest. Um, and he's won by a length and a quarter in what looked a fairly a fairly messy contest in the end. Um, and I, I think most people won't rate that form particularly highly. But I think um, I think the way he won it, having having um, dwelt at the start um, and then come through to one twin Coulsley, um, was better than it looked. And that's, um, that's proven to be the case based on the collateral form. Because Fountain Cross, who he beats... Um, came out and uh, won a novice next time out in pretty good style at, at Haydock, um, showing seemingly much improved form. And I think, essentially, you just pull that back to the previous race and say, we tend to underrate small field races because they tend to be run tactically. Uh, they rarely run at an end-to-end gallop. And we tend to look at it and go, well, that's messy form, let's ignore it. But actually, you know, frequently very good horses run in small field races. And when the form is franked, um, you've got to sit up and pay, pay attention. So the fact that Fountain Cross has proven himself to be um, a decent animal uh, suggests that Perotto was actually well handicapped off 78 here. The, the assessor didn't have an awful lot to go on um, in giving him his mark. I think it, I think it's liable to be very lenient. Um, and he can uh, take the beating for a yard who's, who's specifically um, tailored the horses for this meeting. As I said earlier on, um, Trigoni was, was assistant to Dick Hearn. This was Dick Hearn's big meeting of the year. He absolutely adored Glorious Goodwood, always wanted to get his horses right for this meeting. Um, Marcus Dragoning is exactly the same. Um, so, you know, he'll have had this race in mind for a while for Perotto, and I suspect he will be absolutely cherry ripe for it. Whereas the favourite has not really been aimed at this. She was aimed at her, her um, nursery at York at the weekend. Um, she's won that, and therefore, you know, they want to strike again with Aaron Todd. But uh, I'd rather be with Perotto, who, who I think looks a very good prospect. You know, one thing in Julie Johnston's favour, though, she's from the list. <laughs> I miss the list. <laughs> Every horse that was on the list, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is the best horse ever. Every time they ran. And I'm still, I'm, I think I'm the only one who still remembers the list. It feels like a mythical thing <laughs> the you list. once spoke about. <laughs> the list. The VIP list. <laughs> yeah, nobody was to talk about the list. Uh, Parato oh. for Rory Delargy in the 20 plus four at Goodwood. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere. So start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet 20 pounds on the Betfair exchange and get a five pound free 
bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds, £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Saturday, the Lily Langtree Stakes Group 2. Manuela de Vega for Rafe Beckett and Harry Bentley. Uh, we've also got Snow for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore. I do like this horse, Snow. Uh, Kate Tracy, take it away, first of all, three o'clock Saturday at Goodwood. Yeah, so at the head of the market, obviously, Embahar, you can completely see the reason why I won this last year, easily from Manuela de Vega, five lengths back in second, after giving her a stone as well. And uh, Manuela de Vega is giving Embahar three pound this time around. So it really does look hers for the taking, but obviously the market will reflect that in itself. We know she'll like the quicker surface too, and she's had a good pipe opener now in the Princess of Wales is where she was a beaten favourite, but she can be forgiven first time out on the softer ground. She's already two from two at Goodwood, so yeah, it would be no surprise to anyone if she can uh, go and win this race again this year. Manuela de Vega, I mean, she, she's just class, isn't she? And I know her win in the Lancashire Oaks was a given for her to go and win, following Antonia de Vega being called out and Dame Marlio not running either, but she still did it in the exact manner a one-to-two shot should do. I know she has form on good fern, but I, I wouldn't uh, like her if she if I felt she went off at too short a price with the ground conditions uh, quickening up as well, because she's a big filly and we know how well she can act on a softer surface herself. But I'm actually with you. I, just, I don't know if it's just because I just really like her or what it is, but I just love snow. Yes! And <laughs> she's definitely one who will not mind the quicker surface because she has the perfect action where you don't want her to get lost uh, on ground with soft in the description, really. I wasn't disappointed with her run in the Irish Oaks despite her being comfortably beaten. As she just got readily outpaced in the closing stages. So I understood why they wanted her out in front and setting quick enough fractions early on to make use of her stamina, but it just didn't really work. It didn't turn into a stamina test. And we know the Curra can very often favour those on the front end who are allowed to bowl along out in front uh, sort of as they like. But apart from the first race, the seven furlong maiden, no horse won that day at the Curra after making all. And even the winner of the maiden was only disputing the lead as well. So it was always going to be a really difficult task for her. She was in an excellent half-length second, or not then beforehand, the performance I liked was when she was half-length second to one voice in the blue wind stakes at Leopardstown. Yaxini uh, was a further two and a quarter lengths back in third. She just really upped her game this season, as you would have expected from her impeccable pedigree, shown when winning at the car in 12 runner made and over one mile two. She pulled out uh, an easy winner that day from a save mate, Salsa. Obviously, she cost was it, 1, 200,000 guineas as a yearling by Galileo out of the group one winning Chelsea Rose. It's a full sister to Kew Gardens. So you'd have to be thinking this one mile six will only see improvement in her for her first time at the trip. She just has, she has a huge stride. She covers a lot of ground and would like better ground to see it to best effect, really, which she'll evidently be getting here. So to take on the favourites, uh, I actually am tempted by Snow just because I just really like her. I really like her profile. And of course, of course you do as well, Emmett. I can always rely on that. But uh, yeah, so hopefully Snow can, uh, can surprise a few here. I really thought Snow was going to win the Irish Oaks and I was 
absolutely convinced that Jerry Hannon will be doing his best uh, licky boom boom down uh, version of that song but unfortunately it wasn't to be but she can get redemption here and uh, I'm fully with you over the mile six I think I think she's going to be the, the winner um, Roy Delargy. Uh really tough race about the fact it's four runners I don't I, I don't really have a strong view I have to say in that case um, we'll move on uh, yeah, I mean and I, I, I say that not because it's I respect Snow I, I really like Cataletta. I, I think she was, um, you know, she's she's held by Manuela de Vega theoretically on her, her Haydock run. Um, but I really like the way she won a list of race at Newbury last time out. And normally I want to be with a filly like her in a race like this. This is a it's a fair step up against the likes of MBR, um, Snow and, and uh, meet Manuela de Vega again. So depending on price, um, if, if Cataletta is the outsider of the party, I might get involved but I think it's a little bit too tough. Yeah. Um, let's just take snow and then <laughs> hang on a second. Don't take snow. That's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> However, do take snow in this race. This would be much more worth your while financially. <laughs> exactly. You had no idea. You have no idea what that shit's been cut with, but the horse herself, fine. The horse is fine. And when she wins, Let's not have O Fortuna playing. Let's come on, Goodwoods, get on board, and let's just have this play. And then Aiden gets interviewed on the phone and is like, What the hell's going on? What? Why? Why is that play? Uh, the informer. Oh, come on, Snow. I'd absolutely love that. Uh, apparently, he's touring again. Good luck to him. Not now in the Rona days, but good luck to him. He's, he's back on the scene. Uh, does anybody want to talk about the 225 or will we just go for the Stewards' Cup? Uh, Two of mine and The summer handicap, is it? Yeah. I, I'd be inclined to. Um, to chance Mordred, despite the fact that he's unproven over the trip. Talk to me. Um, he's a horse I liked last season. I thought he wanted more of a test of stamina. He's generally running over over shorter. little bit in and out, it has to be said. He's been very consistent this year. Um, he won on his return at Lingfield um, of 78, and he's been runner-up three times since. Didn't have He didn't have the toe to go with Kip Cavalli over a mile and a quarter at York last time out, having run over... Um, uh, one mile, three and a half at um, at Windsor. Now he's not guaranteed on pedigree or on you know his his um, pattern of racing so far to stay in mile and three quarters. I think he will, and I think he's up against one or two slow pokes in this race. They're not all, um, but I think he's got a chance um, of using his tactical speed um, to to his benefit here. So I take a chance on him. Staying the mile and six. I mean, you know, price depends, and we don't have prices for it yet. I do. And I wouldn't want to see him. Do you? 20.0. Well, okay, that's, that's, yeah, that's very good. I'll take that. Thank you very much. All right. Moderate for yeah. Richard Hannon, Kieran O'Neill is Roy's selection in the 225, which we just rattled through super fast because we want to get to the Stewards' Cup. The draw has been done. Nahar for William Haggis and Tom Marquand is 6.0. Miras, 11.0. Gulliver, 15.0. Hey, Jonesy is the same price as Summer Jihand who we were all over two weeks ago, uh, around about 17.0. And Swindler, just because he's got such a great name, 17.0. Watson was a horse I liked for Friday, so I'm interested in him here. 20.0 with Ryan Moore and Richard Hannon. Uh, Rory, you've seen the draw. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I've seen the draw about five seconds ago, which doesn't help me enormously. Um, And I I, I said off air that I would would be sticking with 
one who's a bit of a um, an all or nothing type anyway. Um, definitely not an each way bet for all the each way travelers will be will be generous because uh, you've, you've got to forgive a bad run. And in this case, you're dealing with a horse wearing a visor for the first time, but drawn 27 of 28, um, which isn't necessarily the best draw, but it means that if I'm drawn high, I'd rather be very high, if, if that makes sense. Um, normally, normally I prefer a lowish draw um, in this uh, contest, but you can you can win from high if you're going to be high um, and you've got a bit of speed, as Angel Alexander does. Um, then I'd want to be able to use that reel. Um, He's a horse I tipped up at Royal Ascot and he ran an absolute stinker. He ran appallingly in the Wokingham. But Ascot's Ascot. A lot of horses just don't run the race there. Mm. Um, and you know, the point I made about him prior to that was his form from last season um, was actually was very good indeed, uh, particularly a race that, that doesn't get looked at. He ran in the uh, Prix de saint Etoise, um on his, uh, his final start in France. Um, where he finished second uh, to a much improved uh, sprinter called uh, Trois-Mille. Um, that day, he was um, he was well clear of Tinto. Tinto finished sixth. Tinto's been a much improved horse um, this season. But um, Angel Alexander, I thought, ran an absolute cracker there, uh, drawn well away from the winner. Um, but he disputed the lead uh, pretty much throughout, kept going all the way to the line, was two lengths clear of the third in a really competitive big field group three contest. And, you know, for me, uh, that shows that he is um, well up to any handicaps off a mark of 103. He's been dropped two pounds since, since Ascot. Um, uh, we know he's a high-class handicapper. Uh, anyway, he came into that um, that race at Maison Lafitte, um, having won the Air Gold Cup, uh, where he was again drawn very high. He's drawn 24 that day. Um, and he was rated 101, so he's two pounds higher uh, that when winning a really reliable sprint handicap on quick ground, beating Grail, Gulliver, and Summergand, or Summer Jihand, whatever you want to call them. They were second, third, and fourth in that race. That is just really, really strong form. Now, he does need to to um, show that he's trained on properly. He had a few runs in Maidan early in the season, which were you know, meh. mildly encouraging, but mm. no better than that. They were very meh. Um, and that's, that's, you know, four slightly... Well, three slightly disappointing runs and one very disappointing run this season from Major Alexander. Um, it may well be that he's not as good as he was last year, but he hasn't had many chances to prove himself. He really came good in the second half of last season. And I will definitely, as we were saying earlier on with um, uh, with just Hubert, just because you've got solid reasons to back a horse and things have gone badly wrong once, you do have to go back and say, was I wrong to think this horse is capable of winning? And sometimes you are wrong and you've got to just put a line through it. But if you're convinced that um, that your horse is well handicapped in the first place, give them one more chance, generally speaking. Um, I am convinced that Angel Alexander on last season's form was well handicapped of 103. There's nothing wrong with conditions. The track shouldn't be really an issue for him. And he is going to be a big price. So I am going to give him one more chance here from Stall 27. 32.0. 32.0, but Angel Alexander, who Roy Delargy says is win only. I'm liking it. First time visor. Well, isn't it? I, I, I know why. I know why it's fine. Uh, Gifted Master took this race in 2018 <laughs> from Stall 25. Intrinsic won in 2014 from Stall 22. Rex Imperator <laughs> Stall 26. Therefore, you can be in a big draw if you want, and it's not going to stop you. Kay Tracy, follow that. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I'm just going to put it out there. I can't. <laughs> so, um, 
I mean, initially, before the draw has come out, as I was say, I was just looking at it for the first time then, just as Rory was uh, speaking. Um, so the first horse, naturally, that's going to catch your attention with this race is Nahar. Uh, horses aged three or four have won six of the last nine editions of this race and him being a four-year-old obviously fits that bill and in the stewards cup you'll i find that i'm really looking for a for firstly the first thing i'm looking for is a lightly raced progressive type which again he is a box that he ticked he's clearly improving all the while he was a good winner from watan two and a quarter lengths back in second at newbury in a class two handicap on his most recent start over six and i thought he was just too green really in the silver wokium where he finished third prior to the win that i just mentioned beforehand so uh I did, I did like him. I totally see the argument for him and I totally see why he is favourite. Uh, Merasi second, he also fits the lightly race progressive type billing as well. But on that horse I just mentioned in Watam, further down the market, not quite as big as Angel Alexander. He, he's 21.0, he's big enough. Oh sure, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, Wata, especially with that price. He's another lightly race progressive type for the Hannon team who know how to win at Glorious Goodwood as well as anyone. So for all he was beaten by Nahar last time out, Nahar had the benefit of a couple of runs prior to the race and decent tests as well at Royal Ascot in and in a hot handicap at Newmarket, the form of which has been franked three times since, including his own win. Whereas Watan came into the race on the back of a year-long absence, but Watan's form figures over six furlongs read really well from his three starts over the trip, finishing first, first, and then second last time out. So he's back over his preferred seemingly trip here. His last run before his long layoff came in the Prejean Pratt, where he finished sixth behind two darn hot, but, and he was beaten six and a half lengths that day. But clearly he was considered a group one caliber horse to run him in the race. So with the fitness on his side now, I can see him turning the tables back around with the favorite Nahar, who, as I say, I do also really like, but for a bit of value, as I don't think the market has factored in how fit each horse was last time out. He'd be my pick to outrun his odds here in Watan. And the other one who I was interested in there, looking at the draw as well, was Lexington Dash, who is drawn in 25. So a pretty high, as you say, that it's not going to be a negative when you're, uh, when, when you're drawn up there. But the only issue is I know he has the pace to make the most of that draw. But the last twice, last time out, he was held up in rear. And on his penultimate start, even though he won, he lost a few positions, managed to drop to last. But prior to that, they rode him really handily. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to uh, how they're going to change up the tactics with him there for the other Richard Hannon runner. Again, he fits the billing of being progressive, lightly enough race. Uh, he's already £18 up in the handicap in three runs this season. And he only finished fourth in his hat-trick bid last time out. But the soft round, I thought, at Newmarket probably paid a big factor to that. And he is by Sayuni, the Sayuni of his progeny. Their record isn't great on soft or heavy ground. Has And in total contrast, on good or better ground, they have a fantastic record. Lexington Dash, two wins this season. Both came on good and good to firm. And he's going to have that ground here. So I can see him... Although he has taken uh, that very steep hike in his rating, though, this season, I can definitely see him running a very big race. But obviously, kind of depending on how much use they make of him from that draw. But Lexington Dash and Watan are going to be my two, probably more so favouring Watan, actually. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on Watan. He gets in off the same mark as his comeback at Newbury. He was definitely Group 1 class last season. He was only beaten six and Mm. a half lengths by too darn hot. And this just seems to be his trip. And they were considering the Golden Mile, but they're going for this instead. Now, it's worth more, but it just makes sense. He, he makes sense to me. Um, that being said, 
32.0, but Angel Alexander, you better believe I'm having a bit of that as well. Best bets for the weekend. This includes Friday, Saturday, Roy Delaraghi. Uh I think I will be going um, nap on Peroto tomorrow. And probably Angel Alexander on Saturday. Oh, um, I'll, I'll get I'll get more stuck into that. Obviously, I've not had an awful lot, of, a huge amount of time to look at that, but it will definitely be a bet for me, Angel Alexander, um, at the prices. Um, as I said, slightly slightly all or nothing um, profile, but um, I think the the ups um, outweigh the downs. But I think I, I really like Perotto tomorrow. I think he's um, I think he's a, a very solid selection in that nursery. Parado in the nursery on Friday at Goodwood and Angel Alexander 32.0 at Goodwood on Saturday in the feature race, the Stewart's Cup. Okay, Tracy? Uh, it's going to be in the Stewart's Cup as well. It's just going to be the horse I mentioned then and Watan. I just think he's way overpriced and I don't think the market has factored in the uh, the lack of fitness he had last time out facing the current short enough price favourite. So Watan. Uh, I can't take you both on in that race by backing up <laughs> Kate, but I will say that I, I will be backing and already have backed Watan for this race. Uh, so my nap of the weekend goes to Snow. No music this time, but Snow uh, will go for instead. All uh, right, that's it. We're done. Let's get out of here. Uh, let's get on with our lives. <laughs> let's go play some bets and make some money. Uh, Kate Tracy, pleasure as always. Your streak is ended, but you're back next week, a little bit later in the week, as uh, Jess Stafford and Nick Luck are here on Monday to review Goodwood with us. Uh, wait, are you on the Galway? Oh, wait, maybe you, maybe your streak hasn't ended, actually. Maybe you're on the Galway review. I have no idea where I am, but if, if Nick Luck and Jess Stafford are replacing me, I think that's very worthy substitutes. So There's nothing wrong with that. Of- you might actually be on Monday anyway. I could, this could have been wrong. I haven't looked at the running order yet. Uh, th- but thank you as always, Kate. Fantastic. Roy Delargy, until next Thursday, my man. My pleasure. I'll see you then. All being well. Hope all the humble pie is gone and hopefully it'll just be gravy everywhere, all over the Delargy plates. Uh, uh, nice winner to start the day. Good one on, on, uh, on Thursday already, so... What was the winner today? Uh, Glamorous Anna wins the uh, the first uh, Goodwood for uh, for readers of the Irish Daily Star. See Off the paper, I say. See <laughs> the Argos catalog has ended. The Argos catalog is no more. Sure sign the print media is going down the tube. But oh, the Irish Daily Star... As long as, long as they keep printing the Irish Daily Star... I'll yeah, exactly. Uh, as long as Brian Flanagan... And, and the uh, Irish Field, obviously. And Roy Delargier looked after it, then I don't care. Uh, that's it. We're done. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for the kind words on social media. Hope you enjoyed the show. We will chat to you on Monday as we look back at uh, Enable's fantastic King George victory and Goodwood. We're also looking back at Galway as well. That's all to come Monday. Remember to like, share, subscribe, podcast, all that malarkey. Take care. Have a great weekend. God bless. Will it happen or won't? it happen you can bet on it with the betfair exchange proud sponsors of the final furlong podcast have you downloaded the free at the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting it's the app that no racing fans phone should be without available for free on your iphone or android mobile visit at forward slash app for more details